Welcome, 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 Real Stories Podcast listeners. Hey, if you're like Brian and I, you value the hard work that goes into keeping our history archived. You revel in finding new source material to validate some long-running folklore. And you probably love like hearing tales about people that have helped shape and advance our communities. Boy, I, I could not have said that better myself. And, and really, the only way that we can enjoy those things at a, a local level is because there are people out there who have dedicated large portions of their lives yeah. to digging into the past, mining data, doing the analysis, and synthesizing it in ways that help us really better understand how we got here. Yeah. Like in all our history there, there's like a historian hidden in there. So uh, like there's, there's got to be somebody that follows the rabbit hole and like leads to the next rabbit hole. Uh, so here in Wyandotte County, uh, Ohio, we, we have a lot of such historians that we kind of lean on from like the primary works of the 18th century soldiers, uh, uh, C.W. Butterfield, John Knight, John Slover. Those guys shared Colonel Crawford's fate with us. Yeah, and the and the nineteenth century missionary writings also of like James Finley and Charles Eliot, Abel R. Guthrie and MBC Love, and of course, who could forget uh, John Johnson, whose journals were about the, the frontier wars with the tribes, and then explained the Wyandotte treaties as well. Yeah, we we couldn't know what we know without these people's contributions. Biased as they may be, they they still have a lot of information that's a that's a first person account of the events of that time, and they still shed light on our past. Yeah, man. I mean, and and we're just grateful for the, like you know Mary Constein, Ray Godfrey, uh, and who I consider the John Meacham of Wyandotte County, John. Thelma Marsh, uh, an elementary teacher who you know was really the driving force behind uh, the the Wyandotte's historical revival and restoration around here. So today we thought we would bring in a local historian who has spent the bulk of her adult life studying, discussing, and actually hands-on preserving our past, our Wyandotte County past. The co-chair of the Records Committee, and since 1985, the caretaker of the Old Mission Church, Betsy Bowen. Yeah, uh, I think this is going to be a great one. Oh, it's awesome. Uh, yeah. she was, she's super cool, and I met her, I teach her grandson, and... Uh, he said, well, my grandma's in charge of the mission church. I'm like, wait, is your grandma Betsy Bowen? And he's like, yeah. So then we went through that whole thing. And uh, yeah, she's cool. And she's fun. Anybody that wants to know the story of the Wyandotte Mission Church, uh, certainly she can shed some light on it. Yeah. And she's, you know, loves genealogy. Yeah. Loves, uh, she, she's done some traveling to learn about the Wyandots. Yeah. Uh, has been yep. to the cultural center is pretty good. She's Billy Friend's connection here. Yeah, uh, she really loved the theme connections. You know that that we're we're still connected in a way. Which uh, for for those of you listening, if you stick around, we're gonna try to get Billy to come on at some point if that's possible. Uh, hopefully this season. I, I called Betsy out on air uh, and asked her. So <laughs> so he, hopefully he'll listen uh, and and hopefully he'll 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 like what we have to say. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, he's a great guy. That it'd be awesome to get him on. Sure would. Get Washburn back for a, a drop in on him. Well, I don't know if we could get him get him to stop talking. That might we might <laughs> that might be a five hour podcast. That'd be good. <laughs> uh, so hey, it's the end of the year, so we should say something about you know just thanking you guys. Uh, I'm super grateful that Brian and I have any listeners. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Really, when we started this, our our main goal was just to really kind of create a primary source, and you know when we're long at I, I heard, uh, believe it or not, it was uh, Ice Cube was talking on Sirius XM Radio the other day, and he, 
he was talking about the music that he made and he's not sorry for any of it. And really what he was saying is that after he moves on, you know, a hundred years from now when he's dead and gone, his music will still be here. And believe it or not, that's the intent that Graham and I have with these podcasts. Like we want this history to go into the future way after we're gone. Yeah, it's a it's a great venue. Podcast the podcast yeah. format is a great format. It really is. Yeah, that's yeah. that's why we that's why Graham and I settled on it. So, yeah, so again, cool. So you. hey, listen, have a happy holidays. Hopefully, if you're home for the holidays, we'll run into you. Yeah, and if say not, hi, you know, tell us tell us you like the podcast. Tell us you hate the podcast. That's that's fine too. Yeah, everybody's entitled to an opinion. To all of our listeners, thank you. Have a happy holidays, and uh, we'll talk to you after the show. All right. Welcome, Real Stories Podcast listeners. We are joined today by a wonderful lady, Betsy Bowen. Uh, Betsy, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for inviting me. Oh, yeah. It's our pleasure. Uh, I, you know, I, I mentioned this in the intro, but, you know, Betsy's name just comes up every time I'm trying to get information on the old mission church or just on a lot of, a lot of things, your name pops up. Either people tell me, you should talk to Betsy Bowen. <laughs> Or, you know, I, I even found, did you, were you interviewed by WTOL 11? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, you've been on the news. Yeah, you, I, got you know, to be, so, I got to be on TV. Was yes. Like, <laughs> 15 seconds of fame. Yeah. Well, that's, hey, <laughs> that's more that, than most of us get. Was that during the, uh, yeah, the just, turnover? Just before. Yeah. Okay. Just before. Probably early September 2019. So, so when was that? When? Actually, September nineteenth. When when was the official ceremony? Yeah, September, September 19th, nineteenth, okay. two thousand nineteen. Graham and I were there. We okay. were there. Yep. Yeah. yeah, we marched in the, we the parade, and yeah, yeah, that was, was fun. fun. Yeah. It was cool. It really was, and especially so for the wine dots. Oh, as did. and we and my brother it was my brother's idea. My brother's name is Ray, so I got to give him a plug for sure. But it was his idea that as the wine dots walked away, uh, they were walking back to take possession back. So. Oh. So we started out at the John Stewart Church yes. on the corner of 7th and Johnson, mm-hmm. walked Johnson Street to the top of the Park Hill so they could actually um, see where the um, old Indian burial grounds were. Yep. And they actually stopped and spread ashes and prayed over that. Then we just walked straight down that street and opened up onto the Mission Church. It, it was, was so cool. Was, yeah. It really was awesome. They were amazed at the number of people who were out watching and encouraging and clapping. They just, I thought there'd be more. Yeah. Yeah. But they were, there were a bunch. Yeah. There were a bunch, but they were amazed. Uh, I cried a couple times at that ceremony. Yeah. I'm sure they did too. Yeah. I mean, it was so cool. And I hope that you, Brian, and I did an episode about the old mission church and we talked about that Mm -hmm. day. Mm Mm-hmm. And it, it's cool that they appreciated it, but I, I hope they do know that there are people here that are interested in preserving mm-hmm. what they mm-hmm. did here. And they definitely are. Yeah. That, that they was definitely an indelible are. moment for sure. Uh, it, mm-hmm. was. Yeah. it was really mm-hmm. cool. Uh, okay. Well, okay. So see, we're going to have trouble <laughs> not just going and talking about stuff. So Betsy, are you, you were born and raised in yes. Wyandotte County? Um, I was born many years ago, <laughs> uh, 1957. Uh, my mom and dad. Uh, Fred and Audrey Smith. Uh, my dad was born in West Virginia. My mom was born in Oklahoma. I oh. got married in California and moved here. So that's why my dad's family was here. Um, my family didn't come into the area until the 1930s um, into Ohio, actually, and then they came into this area. Um, 
How did they? Okay, so hold on. Let's back up. So <laughs> your dad's from Oklahoma. My dad was born in West Virginia. West Virginia. Your mom's from Oklahoma. Right. And they met. In California. In California. My mom was born in 1925. And because of the Dust Bowl yep. in Oklahoma, they went west to California. And dad was in the service. And they met out in California. He uh, was out there. So Navy? Yeah. Was he, was he Navy? Yes. Yeah. Okay. San, San Diego? I don't know. Oh, okay. I'm not sure exactly. Yeah, probably. There's that. My also, grandfather was yeah. maybe in San Diego. That's, yeah. yeah. San Diego. San Diego. Yeah. yeah, cool. Okay, so, man, that's just a neat. I would love to right. dig into that story <laughs> yeah. alone. Yeah. California but, in the 19... Yeah. Would that, and, would that have been, like, Korean? Was that 19... World War II. He was in World War II? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yep. So, man. Mm-hmm. So, in the Pacific, World War II. Yeah. And so when I make presentations, because I, I, we have been in the junior high, um, got to do that for a few years before COVID. But when I'm talking to the kids about genealogy, I did that for Carol Meinhart because oh, yeah. she did the genealogy projects. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jean Moon went for a few years and I went for a few years, but I'm trying to make the kids understand, okay, so my mom was born in Oklahoma. Why would she have been in California? What historically happened? trying to get the kids to understand that history is not just the dates it's the people and you've got to know what's going on in history to understand why my family did this why did they make this choice why did they go here this is Mm. so refreshing right (laughs) so so i'm trying to tell the kids this and it's just i'll pick a kid out of the class and i'll i'll put it up on the board and try to do his genealogy Mm -hmm. and get him started um And it's always cool when I have a niece or nephew or uh, that you know some a, of their family. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. said, "Hey, let's do you." I know. <laughs> and so, yeah, can, yeah. Uh, but I have spent hours on genealogy as well. It's a passion. Oh, um, I random, I randomly do people. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah. I, yeah, I've got my genealogy traced back several generations yeah. on both sides of my family. Right, it's it's a lot of fun. Exactly. I get caught doing it too. I have an ancestry account and yeah. I'll just sometimes, I didn't do it for you, uh, uh-huh. but sometimes if we're having a guest on, I'll get stumbling down and finding out. Into a rabbit hole. Oh, mm-hmm. oh yeah. here's oh. their grandpa's draft card or yeah. here's, oh, Civil War, you know, mm-hmm. sign up for the Civil War. Right. And right. it's really cool to look yeah. through that stuff. So Jeff's, well, um, just okay. to, more about me. Yeah, um, sure. We lived out on 53, moved into town when I just about ready to start kindergarten. Okay. My mom and dad bought a house on the corner of Wyandotte and Hazel because it was just a block from the high school. Mm-hmm. The next year they built a new high school. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but I have uh, four older brothers and sisters. Um, went to union building until high school, uh, graduated in 75. Also, my husband graduated in 75 as well. We were friends in high school. Jeff, right? Right. Yep. Jeff and... Um, Dated after high school and got married in 1978. We have two children. Matthew actually just had a birthday. Um, Matt and uh, our daughter Jillian. Yep, is married to Travis. And so I just saw uh, Travis yesterday. Yeah, I just saw Travis like two hours ago. <laughs> Did you? Looked like he was walking money down from yeah. the yeah must have been from the courtroom to the yeah. bank or something. Mm-hmm. I don't know. And I have we have six grandchildren. Mm-hmm. So um, their ages are right now, let me see. Oh, boy. 15, 15, 13, 13, 11, and 8. Cool. So. Uh, yeah. Keep so Travis and Jillian have two. Right. 
Yep. And then Matt has. And Cheryl have Matt four. They have four. Yep. Yeah. And they have an eighth grader. Uh, they have a sophomore. He's that, Cole. Is Cole a is a sophomore. Levi. Yep. Uh, two seventh grader. Well, um, Clayton is in the seventh grade. He's Adrian. the one I was thinking. Yeah. yeah okay. And uh, Melanie and Walter Frederick is the youngest. Oh, little Walter. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. They're and, a lot of fun. Um, do you still live out? Uh, 58 and yep. 108. Is that mm-hmm. it? Yeah. Yep. Uh, is that where you guys have been? Uh, we actually first lived off of 67 back the long driveway. Um, it was a house that belonged to his grandfather. Uh, he let us move in and for a wedding present, he gave us a first year rent free. So uh, oh, nice. I thought that was a pretty good gift. Uh-huh. But um, I didn't really got started into the genealogy history when I was a senior in high school. My mom and I started working on it. And then when Jeff and I get married, then it just opened up so much more. And so then when my kids got married and Matt married a Kinley, whose mother was a Fry. Oh, wow. So that opens, <laughs> <laughs> opens it up. But yeah. um, I have found a lot of interesting things. and. Um, we're connected and i and i it's still you still find more and more all yeah. the time you're, so is you're okay. basically already connected to 40 percent of the population of white yeah. county just and probably to, like 80 percent of kirby yeah yeah, yeah. exactly oh, i bet yeah yeah but so is harry kinley in the family um not that i know of. okay i haven't made that connection yet yeah. if it is or not so it'd be dave kinley's daughter Dave and uh, and then Becky Howard would be Dave's okay. sister. Right. Yeah. That okay. And gotcha. married Irma. Irma. Irma yep. Fry. Yep. yep. Oh yep. boy. So. There we go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I I know the family. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's the, yeah. yeah. So that's a yeah. But Jeff's family. Yeah. Jeff's family. Um, his great 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 grandfather's buried down at Little Sandusky. He passed away in 1833, at the Ooh. age of 41. Um. His great-great-grandfather, who was four, because there were eight kids, mom had to farm him out, and he actually worked for Anthony Bowser. Oh, yeah, uh, Bowser at the, and Bill. At, yeah, at the tavern. And then she... Okay, wait, can we stop? Sure. Where's Bowserville? I'm thinking it's on the intersection. You know when you're on 294? Yep. And you come up that hill like you're going west? Yes. And you come up that hill. That's where I think it was. West off 67? Um, It'd be two, east of 67. 294. 294 and like 108. Is that, Is that 108? 108? No. The one that's right beside the railroad tracks. I think it's actually the road that JJ Meinhardt lives on. Agreed. Uh, when you, okay. And it curves at the yep. end. Mm-hmm. I think that's where it is too. Okay. okay. Yeah. That's yeah. where I think it is. And um, just knowing that... Um, while the master or his master was gone as he grew up and learned more and more. Um, and then he was, you know, working out. I think, I think Anthony Bowser actually helped the Wyandots pack up and go west. Oh, really? I haven't got proof of that. But I think then that's when Gideon stayed here. Um, oh. But when you make those connections, like there's a guy at church that's from Texas. And we got to talking about genealogy. And, and he found a, um, a deed online from the east coast and it had bowen name so he bought it and gave it to me it was actually gideon and deborah bowen who sold land and i looked up the outlot where the east school stands okay and they sold that land yeah so i was like this is jeff's great grandma that was (laughs) yeah and he goes oh you can just have it i'm like oh thanks so oh that's so cool and that's what making the connections um 
same way with the wine dots. Um, I know that um, we have been working on building these relationships with the wine dots for decades, starting with Thelma Marsh, mm-hmm. uh, then rolling into Jean Moon. I mean, Thelma made contact, she made friends where we're rebuilding the relationships that we lost when they were yep. severed in 1843. Um, that day, they had, uh, John Johnson was the Indian agent at the time. Yep. He has a book out there too. I have it at home. Um, but he said it, it could have been so different. Mm. But he gave the Dots a year to prepare to leave. Yeah. And I tried to tell everybody out there who has their own agenda on how it must have been. Mm-hmm. I said, no, it wasn't like that here. I'm not saying it was good. I'm not saying it was perfect. But I'm saying they were given a year to prepare a year to reach out to family, to harvest their crops. And when they walked away, they weren't the only ones with tears in their eyes. There were relationships here that were severed. Um, And when I try to explain that to other people, you were there the day that we returned the land. Um, There were several people speaking who had their own agenda on what it was like and what happened. it was a little bit of, and I'm going to just be direct, it was a slap in the face to the community who has supported the Mission Church all of these years through wills, through Sunday attendance, through gifts. Um, and what saved the day for me was when Chief Billy got up and thanked the entire community yep. for preserving this place because he knows, he yeah. knows that's why. And whenever we needed funds for the mission and we tried to go through the global board, um, we would get like maybe 250, 500. Uh, you always had to apply. You always had to tell what it was for. You always had to report on what you did. Uh, the most we got was like $2,500 and it was for education. Um, but when Chief Billy took the deed and he made his speech thanking the community and uh, asked me up on stage, he gave me a check for $10,000. Yep. Wow. No stipulations. Yeah. Other than this is to care for the land and the church. And since then, um, we have been out and visited with him, reported to him. Uh, they gave us another 20000 to help do the other stuff we did. In um, 2016, we put on the new roof. That was about $30,000. Now, we had that because we've been saving that forever, knowing that this that what was up there was from what the rebuild yeah. in 1889. Right. Mm-hmm. We knew that plus um, any kind of branches that might come down, whatever. So we had money for that. Uh, but then after the land return, they put in a French drain. Uh, there was some mortar that was like newer mortar that they had put in that wasn't giving. And wow. so freezing and thawing, it was cracking the stone. Gotcha. So w- again, we went through durable restoration and, they got the correct recipe, uh, tore out all the, that, and put in the correct recipe. Oh, cool. Um, and they did a bunch of other stuff in the You know, so that was um, another. We just had another expense. Um, we had several trees that need to be taken down. The mulberry tree right next to the church had lost oh, another branch. Really? And it was leaning towards the church. Um, there was also a pine tree out on Church Street. And then that great big tree that was along the driveway that was pushing the driveway in. Oh, yeah. We took that down. Too, okay. So, yeah. Um, and with that, that was partly on Crane Township um, Cemetery. Yeah. And uh, so we got permission from them to, um, 
to do that. So yeah, there were any questions. Ah, man, that's yeah. I agree. Brian and I talked about that that day. I think there, there were people there with political agendas Mm -hmm. and it was sort of soured it a little, but, Mm -hmm. but, but that aside, that was a beautiful day. Um, when, when they arrived, I think it was the day before the bus from Oklahoma, uh, arrived, I greeted each one. Uh, there were a couple of us on the committee. Marsha Barnes has been extremely helpful as well, but I greeted everyone that got off the bus and gave them a hug. Yeah. And by the time I was done, I was crying. Um, but some of them had never been here before. And um, one gentleman in particular, I have to tell you this story. I was out in Oklahoma 2016 for the powwow gathering. And there was a gentleman there, Wyandotte. His name was Lloyd Devine. And he had written a book called On the Back of a Tree. Um, and so, of course, I bought the book. I'm flipping through it, looking for the Upper Sandusky wind-up mission stuff. And in the book, he said he's descended of Mononcu. And he didn't know when Mononcu died or how he died. And I went up to him and I said, I think I know that. Well, you have to understand there's still bitterness in all of this. And his response was, well, how do you know that? I said, well, I live there and I've been doing a lot of research. And so he didn't quite believe me. I said, I'll see what I can find and I'll get back to you. So I came home and I actually had a reference in our John Stewart history book mm-hmm. to Mononcu dying in 1838. And I, but I didn't have a resource. Yeah. So I started looking for the resource. University of Michigan has a book from 1873 called The Ladies Repository Magazine. And Reverend NBC Love had written an article in this yep. book, this magazine. Uh, stating that he had walked around the cemetery and he wrote down every name on the tombstones that he could read. And one of them was Mnaniku, who died in 1838. So I uh, made a copy. I sent it to him. He wrote back. He said, I've been looking for this half of my life and you, <laughs> you find it in three weeks. Yeah. And I said, well, that's the idea of building the relationships, making available to you know, help them find what we are looking for. We're looking for our ancestors, and that's what they want. And so yep. when he came um, for the land return, he got off the bus with his family, said, here's my friend, Betsy Bow." And I said, no, wait a minute. <laughs> he, said, he said, we weren't always friends. He goes, oh, but we're friends now. Yeah. Um, so that was neat to have him actually stand by Mononcu's stone yeah. and take a picture of him there. That's so, cool. And there's so many stories he like that. He had maybe speculated that he'd been murdered, right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And actually, I think he had tuberculosis or, right. or something I like actually, that. Um, the Begley Library that is within the um, Wesleyan University mm-hmm. Library, there's a separate library that's just Methodist stuff. And they have over 1,200 letters that um, James Finley received. He kept them all. And we actually got to go through them. I went there with Lonnie Hansberger and actually went through them and made copies of quite a few. They allowed you to touch the the letters? Yeah, Yeah. at the time they did. I don't think they're going to do it now. (laughs) That's pretty cool. Yeah, but actually to physically touch them. And these were all letters written to him that he saved in case he wanted to write another book. Right. Basically. But there was a pastor who wrote to Finley to say, you know, I saw uh, Mononcu and we had a meal together and he was coughing a lot. And, you know, so, and I think he was like, he was quite old when he passed. So there wasn't any 
um, unusual activity going on with him passing. Yeah. At least not that was right. ever recorded. Right. And that's exactly. all we can go off of. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Natural causes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In 1838. It, yeah. Did you say? Yeah. So mm-hmm. yeah, their their version of natural causes was very broad. Uh-huh. Right. You mentioned NBC Love. Mm-hmm. Is he so that and that was in eighteen That was eighteen seventy three. Okay. And then Reverend he's the in, one that helped rebuild the right. church, right? He was here in the eighteen seventies. Methodist pastors are itinerant. And he was here, fell in love with the church. He was a painter, a writer, a poet. Um and he was the pastor then at the Methodist Episcopal at that time. Mm-hmm. Uh, he got moved, came back in the 1880s, and then saw how bad that it looked. And he took it upon himself to get it started, to have it rebuilt. Um, and the first thing they did was they had to actually file the deed. The deed had never been filed, so they had to find that and file it. Um, but it's mentioned in the um, treaty that when the Wyandots left, they left that two acres, the Mission Church, and an acre at the top of the Park Hill, which is where the council house would have been, mm-hmm. and then the cemetery. Yep. But they left that to the Methodists. And so oh. that's why we could return it so easily. I guess I didn't realize that the, the uh, burial ground or the cemetery, I didn't, I didn't realize that was part of the, the exchange. And, it, and mm-hmm. that must have, something happened with that, because then mm-hmm. didn't Moses Kirby end up owning mm-hmm. Yeah. That, so yeah, I don't know what all happened and how that fell out of the those camp. hands. But right, so yeah. was it, was that part of the parcel that was turned over? Yes, it was. Okay. Um, yeah. the yeah. um chief Billy friend spoke with Scott Washburn at the time, yep. and they figured out, okay, well, how can we make this happen? Um, and, and I know this is a little bit off subject, but because I remember doing the tour. When I was in the fourth grade. Oh, yeah. And Who doesn't? I mean, everybody yeah. I talked to remembers right. going yeah. there right. in the fourth grade. And so at the time when we were doing this stuff, I could walk into Scott's office and he goes, what do you need? Yeah. He, what can we do for you? He was actually on our, he was one of the first interviews that we did. And he mentioned that that was, that whole interaction with the Wyandots and, and his involvement in that was one of the most influential agendas that he accomplished in mm-hmm. his time in office and he he absolutely loved it yeah he did so, yeah. yeah he, he was, was our first interview yeah. yeah 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 he was so supportive um and also when we wanted to move into the junior high my first goal was can we just have like a half a day with the eighth graders just let us sit down with them and and so i made an appointment with Lori vent who was superintendent at the time and all the way out there i'm praying just i just want a half a day with the eighth graders it's all i want I go back there and Jim Wheeler is sitting with Lori and he says, no, that's not enough. I want sixth, seventh and eighth graders to have it. I'll give you the history classes for the day. And so we set up six different um, uh, things. We had wind up language. We had drums. We had artifacts. We had chief Billy friend here to speak. Um, and the princess dance the, oh the girl came in. Yeah. Wasn't she amazing? Yeah. She is just amazing. <laughs> And um, so to have that in that classroom and when she was dancing and when she was doing the Lord's Prayer, here's a whole, all junior high kids, you could have heard a pin drop. Oh, yeah. Everybody was focused. Yeah. That's up to that so, point. That's probably the most culture a lot of them have seen. Right. I mean, that, that's genuine culture. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. 
and it's cool. I like that, you know, you've mentioned the connections and I've, I've always felt that too, that there is land means something. And the Mm -hmm. the fact that we're here, that Mm -hmm. I know that the way that we've acquired it isn't perfect, but we are the ones here now. Mm -hmm. And there is something about a place, I think, that Mm -hmm. maybe connects you to anyone, you know, generations that have lived in that place. And Chief Billy will tell you that every time he comes, he feels like he's coming home. Mm-hmm. Every time. Now, Lonnie Hansberger wrote a book. He took the 1840 survey. Yep. And then he laid it over on a plat book of today. So you can actually tell um, who may have owned your land. Yeah. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. Lonnie's done a lot of work. He, oh, he a lot. brought in, I have, I, I don't know if I have that, um, mm-hmm. but I have a, he, he just gave me maybe about, three years ago, um, a binder. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's basically like a history of the reservation. Mm-hmm. I mean, every, a, any letter that was written, any notes that were taken, any, mm-hmm. and it's pretty, it's a lot yeah. of detail. Yeah. And he did a, uh, one book on myths, which was really cool. Oh, okay. Yeah, and that one, we actually, he actually self-published. Oh. So I don't know if you have a copy of that. No. If you don't, I might, I might have an extra. Oh, oh. He only had, only did like 30 of them all together. Oh, cool. Yeah. So the library has one as well. Is that myths of the Wyandotte? Mm-hmm. Wyandotte myths, yeah. Okay. That'd be interesting. Mm-hmm. But not like Wyandotte mythology. No. Yeah, because there's yeah. a book on Wyandotte mythology. And, but right. It's, this is myths and stories and just things that he's gleaned that really are just all kind of put in there. Yeah, gotcha. So, That's kind yeah. of when Brian and I, we named this podcast Real Stories. We're mm-hmm. like, man, so many of the, so much that we know, it's hard to find a primary source that proves absolutely this is where it was and this is when it happened. Mm-hmm. So it's like, well, they're not, we don't know if they're true stories. Mm-hmm. But they're real stories. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> it, it's a story that's been told over and over again, and yeah. whether it's true or not, we we don't we can't and always prove it. And that's how the Wyandotte have kept their history before yeah. was orally. It was an oral history, um, and now they have. Um, I don't. If you ever get a chance to go out there, uh, I'll give you I'll give you the information and who you need to contact. Oh uh, yeah. Uh, but they have a wonderful cultural center now. I've seen it online. Yeah, it, it looks is fantastic. Amazing. Their, their we were there as for a their resource is pretty good. Yeah. Even. Yeah, we were there for their grand opening. That was pretty awesome. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 Well, good. Yeah. We'll have to. Brian and I have been talking about one of these days when we have a bunch of free time. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a week. With kids and a week when and we have a, else. or a week, a long weekend um, <laughs> yeah. about going out there. Mm-hmm. I'd love to interview Billy Friend. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just, you know, oh, I'd yeah. love to talk to well, him. Well, next time he's coming, I'll let you know when he's coming. Maybe oh, you can set do. up a, a podcast. Uh, he would love to do that. He is also on the get this right the ohio historical connection board oh he is so he does come back every once in a while to the area right um for meetings down there and then sometimes he'll call and say you know i want to meet up for dinner or whatever yeah well, maybe we could get you and billy friend and scott washburn in a room together <laughs> and you could tell the story of how it all went down uh, it was, that um, would be awesome yeah. that would be good yeah. yeah but you know when i walked into scott's office to tell him this was going on he was just like all about it okay what do i need to do what do yeah. I need to help you with? And um, so, yeah. Yeah, he's, he's a good guy. He is. Uh, he's a good yeah, guy. Great. Yeah. Hey, guys, we're at 30 minutes. Let's take a quick break and give the listeners a chance to, to take a break. And we'll be back in just a second.
Uh, hey, Brian and I have a new segment for you. It's called three, 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 three minutes. <laughs> We're just going to call it. We'll call it. We'll call this one three minutes on MJ Muggsies. Yep. So, Brian, you go. What do you know about MJ Muggsies? MJ Muggsies. My senior year, uh, my DECA class was invited to be the, one of the first guests so that the waitresses could learn the POS system and, and learn how to do their job. Nice. Okay. So, 1994, that would have been. That would have been. Uh, yep. Joe and Madonna Meeker bought that building from Thomas and Franz and Mike and, and their children. Mike Meeker and Tam- his wife Tammy ran that restaurant. And and Mike Meeker was a visionary, so to speak, <laughs> for, for restaurateurs, especially in Upper Sandusky, because at one point he had over 100 imported beers in stock in a cooler in Upper Sandusky. There aren't places in big cities that, that no. today. He was on craft beer and this, before anyone in this and, area. And this was before craft beer as we know it now. Like the last 15 years has become this renaissance of craft beer, but he was doing this 25 years ago. He did it. Yep. Yeah. They had an Italian menu, yep. but there was American. It was American Italian. It was good. It was good. Um, yep. They, they And it was busy. Had a humidor in the bar area. That was back when you could smoke in bars still. And he had a, a big you know, smoke eater. And But a lot, oftentimes you'd walk in that place and build smoke. It was... Just old school. The mural on the wall. <laughs> the mural like on the it, wall. when the first time you went to Muggsy's, it, it was, was beautiful. Like, Whoa, there's yeah. a mural right there, and yeah. it's awesome. <laughs> yeah. it, was, it was bright colors with a like black silhouetted kind of buildings, and yeah, it was good. It's great. Yeah, they remember you could actually back to the beers. You could get on the 100 beer club list. <laughs> And did you get a t-shirt? I never you made You got a it. t-shirt if you drank 100 beers. And I'm not kidding. The first time I went in there, I was I just just getting to know Mike. I said, well, I'll sign up for this 100 beer thing. So he signed signed me up. I had Everybody had a little note card that he kept underneath the bar. And it had your name on it. And he would write down a beer when yep. you tried a new one. Like an index list. Like it was an index, index card. Yeah. Yep. So when, I, when he was closing down, the last time I was in there, I said, Mike, do you still have my card? And he goes, yeah, why? I said, can I have it? He says, what are you going to do with it? I said, just keep it. It's just yeah. a memento. So I still have that card. He should have mailed home. those out to everybody. <laughs> he should have, yeah. If you went to Muggsy's in the 90s, you know what we're talking yep, about. That uh, place was, was banging awesome. with live music. And Thanksgiving Eve was awesome. There were 195 people in there at, at any given time over that I, Thanksgiving I worked weekend. there for two years. I, I worked there all of 2001, and then I, I stopped working there in the fall of 2003. Every Thursday, Friday, Saturday night, we were busy, like booked yeah. from 4.45 until nine eight, o'clock. eight thirty nine o'clock. Yeah, Muggsies was great. Uh, so here, our hats off. Uh, cheers to MJ Muggsies. All right, everybody, we are back with Betsy Bowen, and uh, man, just off off the, you know, off the mic there, we were talking, and I, I said, okay, we got to get back on because there's just too much. Betsy, you have too much good stuff to tell us. <laughs> Um, yeah, so good. Okay. Well, so I think we could talk about the mission forever. I, I think we, we could keep going. Um, but I have a f- couple of other questions okay. for you. Um, and I guess actually they're sort of related. Um, you and I talked about this once I've, I've been trying to pin down exactly where the grand reserve was mm-hmm. or no, the grand encampment. Right. Sorry. Right. So there's Fort Faree. How do you say that? That's exactly Fort okay. Faree. Okay. That's how I would say it. Um, Fort Faree was where the Elks is, right? You know, basically just, just on that top of that hill. Yeah, right there. Yeah. Yep. And then, uh, and and so then afterwards, 
they came through and then they had the grand encampment. And my thought was that it's in like stepping stones, but you don't think so. I don't think so. I think at one time and I I've read somewhere don't, you know, I can't pinpoint it at one time. They were kind of like down in Reber's bottom, Mm -hmm. which would have been like Armstrong bottom at the time because the Armstrong, the brick house that's there uh, was one of the first brick homes built in Wyandotte County. Was it um, Lucy Armstrong? Was she yes. the, the daughter? Yeah, Lucy Armstrong Zane. That's correct. Yeah. Married to Zane. And in the cemetery behind on the hill, there's four um, tombstones back there. And mm-hmm. it's the Armstrong Cemetery back there. And we've had groups go back there and groups of wine dots, but we always uh, ask permission yeah. before we go back there. Always never trespass. Um, but uh, in talking, I, you say that like, yo, we always ask permission. <laughs> yeah, we do. Yeah, we do. It's always, especially bad. if I'm going to take a group. Yeah, you know, for sure. Um, but in talking with Lonnie Hunsberg as well, because we've had the same discussion, I think that the encampment after the War of 1812 and after Tarhi was injured, I think it was out by Smithville Church. Oh, okay. Okay, because you know, there's that That's... big open area. The river, right there on the river. Right there. They're always going to be right on the river. Uh, any homes that were built or that the um, Wyandots built them when they were here were on a hill. Mm-hmm. It dropped down to the bottom land and then the river creek or whatever. And the bottom land is where they planted their crops because yep. it was more sandy, more fertile, whatever. Um, so that's where I think it was. And then Tarhe Monument yeah. is just down the road from that. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Okay. And so. Um, I have two separate dates on when they say Tarhi passed away. One was 1816, one was 1818. Hmm. I'm thinking, and this is just me, my opinion, I think he passed in 1816, but they actually had the funeral. The funeral, by the time everybody could get here, would have been 1818. Can make sense. And I can see, I can just see the huge wigwams that would have been built along in there um, and right next to the river where they would have their supply of water. Yeah. So that's what I think it was. Okay. I don't think it was Stepping Stones. Stepping Stones actually was where the farm the mission planted, farm? the mission farm planted crops and kept their animals and stuff in the Stepping Stones area. Okay. There's a letter that was written by Harriet Stubbs, who was the teacher, one of the, the first teacher. Um, her father passed away and she went to the funeral for that and her brother-in-law would not let her come back. He took oh. her to Washington. He was um, a senator or a dignitary in Washington, would not let her come back. And she wrote letters back uh, asking about, there's several girls that they were very close, uh, but she also talked about asking Reverend Finley about Big Tree, who had land right there in the bottom of Stepping Stones. And he moved across the river so that ground could be used for farming for animals. Okay. And so that's where that was. Yeah. Um, and is Harriet Stubbs the one, is her name on the monument? Yes. Yeah, as as one of the first teachers. Yes. Yep. Right. Uh, yeah. Cool. Okay. Okay. So Grand Encampment out by, well, really would have been Cranetown, right? Cranestown. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Um, so where Tarhi's monument is. Out yeah. by Coomer's old stomping grounds. Yeah. 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 That's a, and I've, I've always, when, <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to think how to ask this question. 
uh, Crawford when when they when they took Crawford after or mm-hmm. during the Battle Island uh, or after Battle Island. Did they they? I'm under the impression I was always under the impression that they took him to uh, a trading post that was out that way also by Smithville when he met Gertie. When Might Gertie came to talk to him, might have been yeah. the first time. Yeah. Are you wondering mm-hmm. where that was? Uh, I always <laughs> thought it was right there on that hill overlooking the river, also like right there where Smithville Church was. Um, I and I'm not sure about that, but I know that where they actually burned him at the stake was more over behind where the um, the um, landfill the landfill yeah. is. Yeah, in yeah. that area, yep. uh, close to the Timok. Yeah, um, I'm not sure if they that's where they actually took him or not, but. The um well, the, the wine dots were laid in wait. Um, they're what you know if you look at the old maps by Negro Town. Yes, mm-hmm. and down in the creek, you know there was, mm-hmm. and that's where they the the scouts showed up, and they chased him back, and then the whole battle at Battle Island, yeah. all that other stuff. Yeah, yeah, that that that's where I grew up in that uh, Taimakti Township area, mm-hmm. and and I've always been intrigued by the history in that area, and that's why I'm pretty sure. Uh, that dark and bloody river. Yep. Who, who wrote that? Uh, Eckert. Eckert. Yeah. yeah. Alan Eckert. I, I'm pretty sure in there, and I, and I know it's a historical narrative. It's not exactly accurate, but I'm pretty sure there is a, a, a narrative there about how they take him to, um, yeah, basically a trading post. Like as soon as they capture him, they take him. That was owned by Smith. That was owned and by Smith. I think Smith. they say it was owned by yep. Smith. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and he was, and he, he, Smith tried to barter for this guy for, Crawford's release, and they said, "No, we've got basically we've got plans for this one." Okay, so that is is that Harrison Smith? No, I think I it's it like a... Harrison Smith's relation. Okay, I think. Okay. All right, okay. But, but, I, but I was always under the impression, I guess, that it was it was out on sixty seven and and actually where Jim Needs lives now, right. mm-hmm. uh, in that, that area, that big oak grove just past yeah. there, and that's where Crane Town then would have been the same yeah. area. Yep. So yeah, yeah, that a lot of history out there. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. there really is. Uh. I, now there is a bunch of stuff that a Parker Brown. Oh yeah, it's at the library. Yep, the Parker Brown did. Journal. He was all into the military part mm-hmm. of it and all of that kind of stuff. Because um, I know Lonnie has mentioned that um, he actually was here to do a presentation. This is years and years and oh. years ago, and hardly anybody showed up. You're talking about Parker Brown? Mm-hmm. Really? Oh, okay. Yeah, but hardly anybody showed up. Ah, so man, uh, yeah. Well, it used to be harder to get the word out too. And if that, you didn't that's true. You tell the right people mm-hmm. and then just, yeah. yeah. Put it in a daily chief on Thursday and hope everybody reads it. <laughs> no, because there's no paper on Friday. Oh, that's true. Uh, okay. Yeah. But I do want to mention, I didn't want to lose this. Hmm, I lost it. It'll come back to me, but okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Sorry. We're out. We're throwing a lot of stuff. At you <laughs> that's here. Okay. Betsy has no notes, by the way. No, if you're, no, if you're wondering, a, yeah. like, does she have a notepad in front of her? Oh, no. This is all just nope. in the top she, of her she's head. She's riffing everything. This is great. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Graham and I both have our laptops open just waiting to, <laughs> to fact-check something, but we don't need to. She's no, uh, for sure. So, okay, well, I've got some uh, a story I've been wondering about that I think you know about. What, uh, what went down with Samundawat, the murder of Samundawat? Okay, so I just remembered what we were going I was going to say. Okay, go back to, to that, with, then okay. we'll come back to some other. Um, actually, they did a journey to education. I think I got that right. And I think that was in 2016 as well. And so they took uh, a bus. They had cultural people, chiefs, some educators, Marsha Barnes, and another 
teacher from here went and they did the whole journey. So they started in Michigan or in Canada, Michigan came down through here and they just followed the whole journey. So it was like a two week. Um, I didn't get to go. I was like really disappointed, but Marsha got to go and she said it was constant stories, constant mm. on the bus, sitting at meals. It was just constant information. She said it was just like overload. But when we found out they were coming, um, I called on Marsha and I called on Lonnie and I said, okay, so we know they're coming. And then we decided, oh, we need to have something that will give you an overview that educators could use in the classroom. I don't know if you have one or not. Nope. Um, they have them at the uh, elementary schools, but it was actually, I think we made 50 of them, but it was a binder that you opened up and there were actually pictures that you could take out, pass around. This is Mother Solomon. This is a map. This is this story. But there was like- A teaching guide. A teaching guide. Okay. Basically, everything yeah. you needed here, there's everything you need to teach the class. Mm -hmm. And so we handed that out to everyone that was on the bus. We did a few extra to give to our elementary schools here. Mm -hmm. um, I have one. Marsha has one. Lonnie has one. Uh, but we put it all in a binder so we could just hand that to them um, as they got off and was looking around. So the teachers had that and uh, they still have the, that yeah. information. Um, but it was a push to get mm -hmm. all that done. Mm -hmm. And when I went to talk to Jean Moon about it, she said, well, you know, Thelma's found everything. You're not going to find too much more. And I'm like, okay, but we're still going to look. Well, that was in the day and age when there weren't computers, there weren't this online research. We just found just so much more information uh, about the different missionaries, not just Finley. There was Charles Elliott. There yep. was James Gilruth. There was Thomas Thompson. There was, um, and my goal, which I haven't completed yet, was to, and you'll see part of it on my ancestry stuff. I'll, I tried to set a um, ancestry tree for each one of the missionaries that was here. Oh, cool. Uh, so I did James Gilruth, who was a big guy. At the time, he was 200 pounds, six foot tall. And if somebody was heckling him when he was preaching, he'd just throw him out. <laughs> I mean, he yeah. was a preacher slash bouncer. Who would heckle a preacher? <laughs> yeah, really? <laughs> yeah. Oh, it happens. Um, <laughs> but what was really neat was when I put him in, I was contacted by his like great, great granddaughter. She wanted to know how I was related. I said, I'm not related, but this is why I'm doing it. You know, he was a missionary here. He made a difference. Um, and she said, well, you know, all his journals, some of them are at Drew University, I guess. And so, um, but she said his wife wrote a book with her grandson. I'm like, really? Well, what's the name of the book? And the name of the book was The Past is Prologue. Oh, nice. That's a great, yeah. yeah. But who would have thought that had anything to do with the mission, Yeah. with missionaries? with whatever that statement's but, been used in a movie or something somewhere mm. i've heard that mm -hmm. before so there was quite a bit of information in there talking about her coming um they had a child a young child that they brought with them other kids as well but um the child's first word besides mom and dad was like a wind-out word oh nice. uh, it was kusa kusa which meant come here come here oh cool and but we're finding all of these details when John Stewart came, he spoke to one Indian woman. Yeah. We know her name. Oh, her name was Yajye. And we know it because of the books that have been written. 
that John Stewart actually talked to Reverend Finley. He actually talked to Charles Eliot. He actually talked, and they're they're telling his story. We're mm-hmm. getting it secondhand, but it is closest to firsthand as you can get. Yeah, right. Well, it's um, 150. And then years we later. know the very next time he spoke, it was Yage and Big Tree. Cool. Okay. And to know those things. Oh, those were the first ones who came to, to listen to John Stewart. Gotcha. Preach. Okay. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, I mean, we have found so many details and Lonnie actually kind of figured the route that John Stewart would have walked to get, to get up here. Yep. From Marietta. Um, from Marietta. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, the, um, I do have this one neat story when we're doing all of this and preparing for the land return, but we were also preparing, preparing for the 200th anniversary of John Stewart coming in 2016. Yeah. And that's when we had the four day celebration. Oh, yeah, the 200th anniversary is yeah, in two right. years. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, exactly. So another thing <laughs> coming. 24, uh, they built it in 24. Oh, mm-hmm. okay. And John Stewart came in 16. Um, but having that information and knowing that's the way he came, uh, knowing that people discouraged him from coming because, oh, yeah. you know, this isn't going to work. They're not going to listen to you. Um, but knowing that they did. And, mm-hmm. you know, we're ta- we always... The big thing now is diversity. I mean, it was like diversity, this and that. I was like, so here's a black man carrying the white man's Bible to the red man. Yeah. In 1816. Yeah. By himself. With a black man interpreting for him. Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I mentioned that when I, when we, I teach about Wyandotte County, that it it was a strangely diverse place right Mm -hmm. around eight, like by 1840, the diversity in Wyandotte County was crazy mm-hmm. it was the frontier it was yeah. the frontier and there mm-hmm. were there were still a decent amount of native americans there yeah. were white people coming in and and intermarrying and marrying these mm-hmm. and then there were right. as a runaway slave town mm-hmm. not far north yeah. of here and right. it, it, yeah i mean there was just a lot it, it, it's you, an interesting thing you could come here and get lost but it, yeah mm-hmm. then yeah you could still do exactly because it was still indian land so yeah. it was a reservation yet yeah um but the story that i wanted to tell um and this has to do with Reverend NBC Love. Of course, he was here. I told you he was a painter, poet, writer. Um, in 2016, they had interns come here from Winda, Oklahoma. They hire their uh, high school graduates, um, and they're, they pay them over the summer, summer they work. And part of that is to do a historical trip. So they all came back here. Um, they invited Jeff and I to go to... Um, Michigan to go kayaking with them on the Huron River. And luckily we didn't have anything to do and we went up. Um I think I saw a picture of you kayaking. Yeah. That on, was yeah, that maybe was pretty on cool. Matt's Facebook so, page or something. Um during that time they'd put us uh, along the river and uh, just across the border from Canada. You know. I said, "Why are there boats patrolling?" I said, "That's that's oh, oh. I didn't know we were that close, but, uh, okay, I won't swim over there. Um, but we sat down at a table. We were having hamburgers. The wine dots were feeding us, and there was a gentleman across from me, and I never met him, and I, um, we're doing all this work getting ready for this 200th anniversary thing. And uh, so I'm telling him where I'm from, and he's into the military history of it. He's all about the battles, but mm-hmm. the same thing. And I said, well, Reverend NBC Love, you know, was instrumental in rebuilding the church. 
So we like to say love rebuilt church. So he goes, who? And I said, Reverend NBC Love. And he goes, I have his Bible. And I almost came off my chair. I'm like, (laughs) what do you mean you have his Bible? At first, though, this was another instance where you were getting ready to roll your eyes. Yeah, but it was like, okay. So (laughs) apparently he got it at a thrift store. Mm. in um, an antique shop in one of these little towns close to to where we were. Uh, and he said, wow. I walked by it three or four times, and then I finally picked it up. And I thought, oh, I'll just buy this. And I'm like, really? I said, is there anything in it? He goes, well, there's a letter uh, dated 1883 that um, they're asking Reverend Love to come and speak at the Seneca Wyandotte Crawford County uh, Pioneer Society, uh-huh. asking him to come and speak. Uh, there's a couple of verses underlined, and in the front, um, of course, it has Reverend NBC Love's dad's name in it. Okay. And then there's a couple places where he's drawn something, and then there Doodles. was, yeah, and like praying hands. Mm-hmm. He drew praying hands, and he said there was another piece of paper, and I fold. He folded it out. Uh, he told me about it. He said it was Reverend NBC Loves. Um, he sketched a picture of what it might have looked like. John Stewart coming mm. to Wyandotte County. Oh, wow. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. Can I said, can you take <laughs> pictures of that and send it? And he did. And when that picture came up, I'm like, <laughs> oh, my God. It was just like perfect. And I said, can we use this in our, on our flyers and on our, you know? And he goes, oh, yeah, no problem. So then later I... Uh, emailed him and his name was Jerry Wikes. Okay. W Y K E S. And I said, any chance that you would sell that? Mm-hmm. You know, we could have it at the mission. He goes, No, I won't sell it, but I'll give it to you. <sighs> so it is actually on display at John Stewart Church. You, it's that oh, one. Okay. Yeah. I saw that new one. You mm-hmm. showed it to me. Yeah. I thought that's what you're talking about. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and that, I didn't know but, that's how you got it though. Yeah. To be in that place at that moment with somebody, you know, we didn't even know we were going to go till the day before. Mm-hmm. Across from someone would have that kind of invention. I'm sorry, that's a God thing. I mean, <laughs> definitely. Yeah. Um, and we've had that happen a lot where stuff pops up that is just a treasure, that's a, just a gift to yeah. have some of that information. Oh, so, yeah, that's, so. uh, that's fantastic. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm not yeah. talking about I, I, It's crazy <laughs> that, you know, I just, I, it's, it's refreshing. Um, in a lot of ways, I feel like we, we've missed the boat on, like the era of like, like discovering mm-hmm. primary resources. It's like everything's been found and documented, but it hasn't. No, it hasn't. Which is what, and, and then just think of how much hasn't. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Like 99.9% of all history has mm-hmm. not been right. preserved. You know, and so many of the missionaries wrote books, like Charles Elliott has a book out yeah. there. The one that um, Mary Westlake Gilruth wrote. Um, NBC loves, you know, all of his paintings and pictures, um, and Finlay's books, but Finlay, um, and I tell the kids this story when they come, Finlay would have, um, been an attitude like Woody Hayes. Okay. This is what I want done. Yeah. And this is how we're going to do it. Yeah. But he also had a lot of respect for the Wyandots. So he would go to the women of the tribe and he would go to the chiefs. And lay out his plan. Okay, so this is what I'd like to do, um, and I I want you to understand. And so, I mean, he knew how to present what he wanted, and 
and how it was going to benefit them mm-hmm. to do that, like with the school and like with the church. Um, but then also you can read an earlier book of Finley's and he'll say that um, John Stewart was an educated black man and da, 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 da. And in a later book, he'll say it differently. Yeah. To make the story better. I don't know. Yeah, but, probably. But yeah. <laughs> so. Uh, yeah. Uh, so, okay. Uh, we'll get back to Samundawat too. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. Uh, Lost that. So, but, but on, where do you think Finley's house was? Cause he built a house here, right? Finley. I'm not so sure. I think Finley's was on the back of like the, where the, the Wyandotte home, Wyandotte, what, what was the one back there called? Um, oh, Manor. The Wyandotte Manor. Back there. Yeah. I've, I've seen a, a little building back there and I read some stuff. I, I, I get very, very possible. But when he first came here, there was nothing ready for them. They had to hurry up and finish. Yeah, neat. Um, and you read the, did you read the story where the guy that was helping him got hit in the head? Well, I looked him up <laughs> on the genealogy stuff and he turned out just fine. And yeah. he was over in the Lima area. Yep. Yeah. So yeah. he brought Betty, Betsy and I already talked about this once, but yeah. So I read this thing where he had brought a guy, basically like a hired hand to mm-hmm. ba- to help him build a house and get his mm-hmm. stuff ready here. This, this is Finley? Finley. Okay. And like on day pretty quickly into it, that dude, like a, a, a beam, a fell, beam on fell on his head and he, they thought he might die. And mm-hmm. then he ended up recovering and within a little while was able to help again. But mm-hmm. yeah, and then but, ended but up he living wasn't in the a area. hired hand. He was actually, um, a missionary along, you know, almost. Oh, okay. Just his, like an assistant. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But he called him the hired hand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, um, when you read, Mary Westlake Gilruth's book, she was talking about how Finley showed up and he wasn't happy with some of the stuff her husband was doing. And she said, he never gives, he never gave my husband any credit, but then he never gave anyone any credit. (laughs) So, I mean, as you read and learn more, these people come three-dimensional, Yeah, which is why I think that he had that Woody Hayes kind of like, we're going to do it my way. If you don't like it, then move on. Uh, Charles Elliott was having a huge success bringing um, the Wyandots to Christ. That was, that was no easy time to be alive. I, no. I don't begrudge anybody for being in a bad mood. <laughs> yeah. And so, <laughs> so I mean, it. he brought all of these people to Christ and Finley showed up and he said, well, you're not taking care of the farm and blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah, and kicked him out. Yeah. And that was Charles Elliott originally was here and he was the farm. He he took no, care of the no. mission farm? No, he was actually a missionary. So he did take care of the mission farm and the school. Oh, okay. And he came after. After, he was, yeah. He, yeah. Yeah, there when was a Finley time left, when Finley left. Because Finley got left, it going and then left. Left and came back. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And he actually got sick. Well, you know, when you talk about itinerant ministers and the loop they had to make, like from Upper Sandusky to, uh, to Detroit to Fort Wayne and make that whole big loop. Yeah. on a horseback or whatever they were circuit riders right and yeah. that's why we have communion once a month in the methodist church okay because it took a month to do it's all connected the loop. That, yeah. that was their circuit that was their circuit yep. yeah it's all connected okay back to samundawat yeah okay so samundawat <laughs> and lonnie did a lot of research more fully into actually going to um uh, hancock county and actually getting some court records and that um Yes, um, Samundawat, his niece and his niece's niece's husband 
It was a niece and nephew that was with him. They had their hunting dogs and their horses, and they had done really well. And these three guys showed and, up. And they're and, over near Finley, right? On right. the other side, of, in between Cary and Finley. Right. Arlington area? Is that where they? Mm-hmm. I think it was north, north though. I yeah. think it was north of Cary okay. and toward Finley. Right. We, and, I, I remember talking about this. Yeah. yeah. And the, the guys wanted to buy his dogs. And he did not. He said, oh. I'm not going to sell my dog, you know, because they're great hunting dogs. He's trained them, whatever. Yeah. Um, so they left, but then came back and then they uh, invited them to eat with them and join the fire. And after everybody bedded down for the night, they got up and killed all three of them and stole. And the, the niece was the woman was the last one to go. And um, the guy hesitated and somebody said, what, are you a chicken or, you know, whatever? Don't you have the nerve to do that? So. He dispatched her as well. Um, they buried their bodies in leaves. Of course, they were found later. Yeah. Uh, but what Lonnie found was some of those, uh, they weren't just white men. He, what he has found is a couple of them were Delaware. That oh, okay. actually, and what were they the had guys' in, names? Do you remember off top? Lions? Lions sounds like one of them. Yeah, one of them was a Lions. Right. And they had one of them at least in jail, and he got away and took off to Canada where they couldn't find him. Yeah. And so, um, I've always wondered about that escape, you know, mm-hmm. how much, uh, at that time, if it was right. like, Oh, you just killed a it, wine dot and we'll yeah. let you go. It and, was just an Indian. So let's just let you go. Yeah. Yeah. So those guys never were tried, but how do we know the story? Did those guys tell the story? The- um, other than what Lonnie had found. And I, I haven't read up on a lot yeah. of that. I mean, it's in the, it, that story's in that, you know, Wyandotte County history mm-hmm. from 1886. Mm-hmm. So that's, that story's in there. So right. yeah, we, by yeah. that time, people knew about it. We've mm-hmm. talked about, about that story on our, on this podcast. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that yeah. was kind of like the final straw Yeah, that the Wyandotte's to say, okay, <clears throat> it's not safe here for mm-hmm. us. And, um, and that's when they started looking in earnestly into moving. Yeah. Um, but they wanted to stay. I mean, they had their lands and schools and friends and churches, and um, it was just certain settlers. I think largely, uh, most people wanted them to, or at least most mm-hmm. people nearby wanted them to stay, right. or at least accepted them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But there were other settlers who didn't think they should even own land, mm-hmm. let alone have it. Um, Joseph McCutcheon, McCutcheon's villain. Yeah, he was. He wanted them out. He wanted them out. He'd bring them in, get them drunk, had them sign papers. And, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I've got mixed feelings. I mean, I know he he's kind of a famous Wyandotte Countyan, but I mm-hmm. think he was yeah. maybe a little. Was bit he of a, a senator? He was a state senator. Okay, yeah. a state senator. Um, okay. I knew there was some connection with politics as well. Yeah. Uh, but you know, they were also the Wyandots were getting cheated. Um, when they would trade stuff, cost them more than anybody else. The exchange rate wasn't right. quite the same right. for them. Um, and there was a, oh my gosh, is over a little town in Crawford County. There was a trading post there that when somebody bought it, they actually found a book, a ledger mm. of, and then there would be the white who, who bought stuff that was, who was white and who was Indian and whoever was Indian, they had to have a connection. So it's so-and-so, but he's related to so-and-so. So they'd have a way to get their money. He was vouched for by somebody. Exactly. And one of those names was actually um, Mary uh, Stewart. 
Oh. Which would have been John Stewart's wife, because her nickname was Polly, mm-hmm. and listed a couple of things that she had bought. But it said Mary Stewart, wife of John. Yep. So, cool. yeah. And to find that kind of stuff. And there is so much more out there. It's just finding it. Yeah, before it gets thrown away or gets oh, thrown in a dump or something. Right. You know? There's yeah. also a lot of stuff that's just sitting in, in archives places that just hasn't been analyzed. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, that's the, that's the gold for, for historians right. like us. Mm-hmm. Like that's where you, that's where you mine for data. Yeah. One, yep. of, one of the trips that the interns took was to the Smithsonian. And of course, Billy Friend went along and he actually had um, a Senator that they had connected with and he was actually able to go back into the warehouse at the Smithsonian oh gosh. and open up <laughs> the stuff that was wind up. Yeah. And he said, can I take pictures? I mean, this is his history. Yeah. yeah. His stuff. Yeah. And he could take pictures of it. Um, That'd be like them but, having my grandfather's trunk. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Coming yeah. over from Germany. Like, yeah. Yep. Yeah. And what, what was in there. But to be able to see all of that and know it's never really going to see the light of day. Mm-hmm. You and I are never going to see that. Right. We're never, unless yeah, it's not going to get digitally cataloged. There's no, too much no, other stuff right. that they have. But they were just to. tray upon tray of stuff that he even had to get up on a ladder for the higher trays to take mm-hmm. pictures and, and to be able to see those things mm-hmm. is just amazing. Yeah. So, like, so even like the treaty, where's that original treaty? Do you know? Mm, I, it's probably mm-hmm. either in some archive at at Ohio, in Ohio, probably at the National Archives, or maybe at the yeah, because it was a deal with the na- federal yeah. government, so mm-hmm. it's probably at the archives. And there was a, and I don't know if it was that treaty or one of the other treaties that they actually smoked smoked a peace pipe, and there was like two or three of them, and they were actually like engraved for what they were for, mm. and they found two of them, but there's one out there somewhere. <sighs> somewhere. Yeah, it's in somebody's attic. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's kind of like um, Adam Brown was the chief that was in Michigan, Brownstown, Michigan. He was a white man that was married into and accepted into the tribe. And he was so trusted and well-known, he became a chief, and he actually became a holder of the wampum belts. Well, eventually, those got moved out west, and eventually, during some battle somewhere, this guy came upon them and just tore them all apart. But somebody else gathered up all of the wampum and actually got it to... Oh, let me think of the name <laughs> to this guy who still has some of them today and he is donating them to the cultural center. Cool. So Why can cool. I think of his name? <laughs> is the cult, when you say the cultural center, you mean the, uh, why one, not cultural yes. center? Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And I, and I did his, he's a Walker. B and O Walker had it. And this is his like nephew or great nephew. Yeah. B-N-O. Bertrand. Gotcha. And he's done a lot of writing. Uh, he was a teacher, professor. He did a lot of writing on the on the wine dots. And um, he ended up with it. And then it's been passed down in the family. And so this guy is actually going to donate it to the wine dot cultural center. Oh, cool. So, man. So it's kind of going back home. Yeah. Awesome. But, well, Betsy, we've taken up too much of your time already and <laughs> we well, I, i'd like to have you back on sometime i feel like okay, we sure. could wrap we, mm-hmm. we could go on forever 
Yeah. Uh, but thank you for coming on. This oh, yeah. Awesome. It was great. I needed to reconnect with all that stuff because when it comes time to do tours again, mm-hmm. hopefully we're going to get back to our third grade tours in the spring. Yep. Uh, and I My just, daughter's in third grade. Yeah. Um, a couple of my grandkids have missed it. Was always neat to have one of my grandkids come. Yeah. And then they would, they were like, uh, Cole said one day, Grandma, I didn't know you knew all that stuff. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So, yeah. Somebody has to keep it. I know. Yeah. And that's the goal in all of this. And mm-hmm. your goal as well is to keep this stuff out there so it's available for people to continue with. Mm-hmm. And building these relationships with the Wyandots is part of that. I mean, yeah, sure. this is their history. Yeah, so. agreed. But I appreciate you calling. Oh, Making absolutely. a connection through Levi. <laughs> yes, it's all connections, right? Yeah, exactly. So, great. All yeah. right, well, thanks a lot. Yep, you're welcome. All right, bye-bye. All right. That was a great one uh, with Betsy, man. Yeah, she was fantastic. Uh, She's yeah. a great storyteller. She is. So she, yeah. You can tell she loves telling those stories. The, the nice thing about it is that she's just trying to present it in a very matter-of-fact way. Like, this is what I experienced. Here's what I went through. It's, it's not, you know, she's not embellishing anything. She's just telling you what happened and how it happened. And it's, it's great. Yeah, Betsy's a great example of sort of uh, just grassroots historian. Yeah. She's not, you know, she's not a PhD in history, but she knows how to do research. Yep. She does the research all properly yep. and thoroughly. And really the thing she has that you can't, a, a degree doesn't give you is she's passionate. Yeah, right. Yeah. It's like she loves it. So uh, there's a bunch that we talked about and a couple things that I did some research on just to throw in there. We talked about Bowserville. Yeah, we did. Um, yep. her, so because she's married to Jeff Bowen and Jeff Bowen's family uh, come, goes back. Gideon Bowen worked for Anthony Bowser. And so Anthony Bowser started Bowserville uh, in 1819. Oof. So early days. And it was right on the edge. Yeah. Right, it, it was right outside the reservation. Yeah. And it was on the main stagecoach line in between Toledo and Columbus. The way uh, it cut, which, the way it cut to just miss the reservation, and then they it dipped over right right down two ninety four, basically from thirty seven. Think of it like oh a, okay, is it thirty seven or thirty six? So it probably comes, came down seventy five, then down thirty or around or modern day seventy. Yeah, like through the 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 forest area, and then over that way, and yeah. then it because Actually, they were it trying didn't to didn't because that was swamp back. I mean, it jogged around that. I yeah. Mean. And then anyway, so Bowserville, and then he, there was an inn there and that guy did, he had a whole thing going on. In Bowserville, there was an inn? In Bowserville, there were, there were, there were several things out in Bowserville. There was an (laughs) inn. uh, It was a farm. There was a, it was a, uh, there was a general store. There was a post office eventually, uh, even a blacksmith to repair the wagons. And the thing you have to remember though, is that you know, when you say stuff like this, it, it doesn't mean that there was a big, you know, 1400 acre farm with oh, seven yeah, barns. Yeah. <laughs> it yeah. was one guy with probably one dude yeah, with, a, but with several people working farming for 20 acres, just a sustenance, sustenance yeah. farming. Um, he, he just was a guy who had a house there. Yeah. Right. And then 
things had, the, a, had a black the stagecoach <laughs> stop went by yep. so yeah hey stop here i've got enough things that i can sell a little bit of food yep, right. i can i can, I can make fix a, your wagon i can make a little money and i can send somebody to the the next largest town to trade for stuff that we need yeah, yeah. he's a frontier i mean it's a it, it's it's so cool that in 1819 this was a frontier <laughs> in 18 18- 40 this yeah, was a it was still a frontier yeah yeah i, I mean even after that because because really it, until they started draining the, the great black swamp there wasn't uh, this was really the edge of nothing oh yeah there was there was nothing northwest of us because it was still there's a reason it was still mosquito th- there's uh, there is a reason how the wine dots made it so long yeah they were on the edge of the void. that that void <laughs> yeah and then then we kind of le- leapt over the great black swamp until we could tame it and it went through yeah. detroit and then it went out that way well and, and, or it and went also, south to cincinnati and it went out that way but it also went up around uh like up up to south bend indiana and, and yeah. around that way up into chicago correct because that's on the bait the just off that basin of the swamp because yeah. all of it at one time was the great lake actually the 1840s to like 1870s there was a big influx of of german speaking population that immigrated to the United States. And that was, you know, from, from the, this area here, like upper Sandusky up through like Wisconsin, Milwaukee and places like that. Uh, that was the land that was available. So that's why they settled here. And that's why, you know, we have a, a German influence like we do. So here's a, this is the random <laughs> rabbit hole that my mind's going down. Uh, so uh, we talked, we did the three minutes on Muggsies at the intermission there and the current owner of that, building is is tom smith who owns don tomasos and tom smith sent me a story about a year ago and it was about debbie and abe roseberry and he found a book that explained this story in his house which is out in that area yeah i found the story um about that so abe uh, his name was Abe Roseberry, and he worked for Bowser also and lived out in that area. He, uh, when he died, his wife had died before him, and so then he wrote a will. And in the will, it said, at my wake, I will, I, there will be a barrel of whiskey and a tub of honey. That is the greatest will ever. <laughs> and the, he could not be put in the ground until it was gone. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> So I know it's like, yo, you're going to party at my, I'm going to make you guys bring a barrel of whiskey to my wake. Yes. (laughs) And, and so the story says that it took three days for them to get through all of that. Cool. And then they drug him down to a cemetery that's out by Tom Smith's house and out there by Kildare. I I was just out there uh, last week with Keith. We We were driving around and they got there and the grave had been dug like two feet not long enough for his <laughs> casket to go down and so so they needed another barrel of whiskey so they took him back <laughs> to balgerville and they drank the the rest of the whiskey or they drank more whiskey yeah got drunker it took them till the next day to get the hole dug and then they took him back and they were all hammered yeah, sure. and by the time they get there they he they had hit a bump at some point and his casket had fallen off the <laughs> The wagon. So they went back and got him and then they buried him and it is all good. This, uh, but it, it, I don't know. Again, is it a true story? Well, it's a true story. It's a, it's a real story. <laughs> it's a real story. So 
Anyway, back, back to back to Betsy's story. She had some real good, like some just encounters she's had along the way, like with the guy up in Michigan, uh, at the 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 Raisin River thing where River Raisin, the River Raisin. Yeah, is that is it's, it? It's River Raisin. Is that a town? Uh, it's it's a it's a river, but it's also like a. I think it's a. It, I think there's a town there. Okay. It's just across the border on seventy. I drive by it. All the time. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So there's, there's, the, way, the way she said it, I wasn't quite sure. I and I should have looked it up, and I didn't. There is a River Raisin historical site. We should probably go up there someday next summer and just check it out. Yeah. Agreed. Uh, so anyway, we 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 chatted about that, and then about her relationship with Billy Friend, and you know all the things she does at the Old Mission Church. Like she's the chief caretaker of the Old Mission Church. Yeah. Which yeah. is, I mean, a, that's a and and now it's a duty. Like that went from. That changed ownership, and she still retained the chief caretaker title, right? Yeah, I mean, so, I, I don't, I, I know there were a lot of people responsible for that whole thing happening, yeah. but she was one of them. Yeah, of course. I, I, I guess my point is that you, you don't get, you don't get to stick around if you weren't doing a great job. That, that's, that's what, and, and I'm sure that people like Billy Friend looked at that and said, "Why would we take this woman away from something that <sighs> she clearly so passionately?" endorses agreed so. yeah she's yeah. great she's fantastic so she she mentioned mary westlake gilruth who was married to john gilruth who was a one of those circuit writing ministers and then she ended up writing a bunch of memoirs and then those memoirs became a biography past his prologue which by the way is a william shakespeare quote or a de- derivative of a william shakespeare quote it is from yeah. the tempest I think. from the tempest yeah, yeah. tempest yeah and also, uh, when I was in Washington, D.C., I remember seeing this. That is also written at the top of the National Archives. Is it really? Yes. <laughs> cool. So, uh, and, you know, the past is prologue, right? Which is basically the idea is we, the past is creating the future. Everything, and, everything is setting up for the next scene. Yes. Everything yeah. is connected. Yeah, it's all connecting. Yeah. She loved that theme. Uh, I'm titling this one, by the way. <laughs> Uh, connections with Betsy Bowen. Yeah. Uh, or connections or in history. Yeah. Prologue. Yeah. I, I think, I think that's something that, you know, as, as historians, as, as storytellers, whatever you want to call us, I think that's something that if we can get that through to our listener, that's my message, I guess, as much as mm-hmm. anything. Yeah. Don't look at history. Doesn't happen in a vacuum. History happened because things happened before it and history happened and things happened after it. So you have to, you yeah. have to take the whole body of work to, to really judge anything that's happened. And that's why it's, that's why it's so hard, you know, at least for me to, to look back on like the Confederate monuments. I, I don't, I don't know what to think about that because at the time it seemed like the right thing to do. So it's all about context of the time. Um, I, I get that things change. I get that attitudes change and it's, I, I think for the better most of the time. Um, but it it all needs to be considered, I guess, is all I'm getting at. There's yeah. a lot of thought that goes into stuff like this. Yeah. Every moment is the end of history. Yeah. And right. every moment's the beginning of history. It's yeah. all just. Yep. Yeah. So. And it's all about perspective. Uh, a couple things that we, we had missed on. Um, the guy that was helping James Finley and then got hit on the head with a, a beam and was bloody yeah. and they had to drag him to the hospital. That guy's name was George Riley. Okay. Um, and not spelled the way like Riley Farms, mm-hmm. but who knows if that, that I think they're, they're German immigrants from the 1850s, I would 
assume. Everybody, uh, everybody else's. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then we talked about where, um, you know, where the Grand Encampment probably was. And uh, I did find a quote about the Grand Encampment that it was on a spot called Camp Meg's one mile below the post of Upper Sandusky. Uh, so hmm. take that for whatever <laughs> you think it means. Yeah. Uh, also, just one one more thing. She mentioned a trading post in Crawford County. We talked about the trading post that uh, Crawford was taken to when he was captured, and we were trying to figure we out where about that, that was. Too, yeah. and I think that was in Timocti, Uh Just by... Yeah, I think it was up... Smithville or Timocti. Smith, I think it was, it was yeah, Smithville. It's out there. Maybe. But she mentioned one in Crawford County that had sold goods to settlers and to the wine dots, and they had different prices. Leesville? And it was in Leesville. Yeah. That, that trading post, which is now the J&M trading post, it's still there. It's on its 26th owner. <laughs> it was founded by the Reverend Robert Lee. Who came? That's in Jefferson Township over there. Um, bought 160 acres right at basically bought the headwaters. Leesville's like the headwaters of the Sandusky River. Bought it in 1828, and that place has been a trading post ever since, which is super cool. Wow, that's that's incredible. That that's really, I I mean, I I don't think a lot of people understand how hard it is to stay open as a business for five decades <laughs> yeah for three generations right? three generations, that's what they always yeah. say if you can get your great grandkids doing it, it, it something's going really well yeah right so yeah uh anyway so that place is is still there actually you can go check it out like 598 in leesville crazy huh. anyway uh i was shocked by that so anything else brian i don't think so um I would like yeah. to wish everyone a Merry Christmas and a Happy Holiday. Yeah, yeah. I, I think, uh, you know, the holiday seasons are approaching and I uh, just want to give a shout out to everybody and, and thank them for listening again. And, and uh, you know, believe it or not, Graham and I really do appreciate all the all the fans, so to speak. Uh, the All 13 of you. Both of you. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. But uh, we I, do. It's great. We yeah. love it. We love you guys. Thanks for listening. And it's been real. It's been real. Christmas, we wish you a Merry Christmas, we wish you a Merry Christmas, and a Happy New Year.